0: You're listening to the Google Ads Podcast, brought to you by Solutions 8, the Google Ads agency. Okay. We could talk about frequency capping if you want. Maybe that'd be a good topic to cover. Oh, not for me. <laughs> I don't okay. use frequency capping at all. <laughs> okay, never mind. <laughs> well, actually, never. that might be a good topic for conversation, Caden. My theory in frequency capping is the automated bidding strategy does that for me, in my opinion. Maximized conversions is what I like to use the most. And I usually like to use a daily ad spend in order to control overspend and underspend based on results that I see both in Google Ads and outside Google Ads, whether it's analytics or whether it's Snorpy, whatever it may be. My thought process there is that I adjust the level of remarketing ad spend, but I leave frequency capping running wide open because there's been a lot of use cases that I've heard and they're anecdotal. But I forgot about this person that I think was like Google or Facebook, whatever. They're like, I just kept seeing their ads in there and they finally wore me down and I bought one. I don't even know why I bought one. I just kept seeing them. I think there is a use case for that. But I also think that there is some channels that you can sort of use that may be better than Google. I don't like Google remarketing on display. I really don't. I know it works, but I find more engagement on the YouTube remarketing channel. And that's actually what I'll be talking about too, is I know, uh, Osama, you had a question about YouTube and how you measure that, so we're going to get to that as well today. But for remarketing, I think YouTube remarketing gives me a better result that I can measure even if they're not in Nordbeam. I'll go to a client here that makes a use case for YouTube remarketing. But Caden, do you have any kind of before or after or what your thoughts are on setting frequency caps for display or YouTube or whatever it is for remarketing? I guess the point there was just to try to leverage more on like the email marketing side and only use it as sort of like a slow burn where you have like, you 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 see one ad a day kind of thing. So you keep the spend low and then just go from there versus like pumping out a bunch of ads based on the conversion data that you would get and then getting a conversion. But in reality, you could have gotten it from like another channel potentially. That was kind of my original like thought behind it one of my questions I have with frequency capping is Google measures an impression differently an impression and a viewable impression are two different things to Google I wonder how that translates into actual metrics for example viewable impression versus impression if you have a frequency cap I thought that went off impression and if so there's could be some times where you're showing up at the bottom of the page on cnn.com and people aren't seeing it, but you got an impression. It wasn't a viewable impression. It was an impression. So that'd be something for us to actually look at too is, is there a viewable impression? What's the difference between impression and viewable impression? And now that's visible for more than three seconds in the person's view in the window that they're viewing. Viewable is visible for more than three seconds. Got it. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have the different types of impressions available in the settings for impression caps. Yeah. It's almost like on YouTube when it's like, hey, you got... 17,000 impressions. Now, the people that watched it for longer than five seconds, so those are 5,000. Person watches 30 seconds or video, the duration is shorter than 30 seconds or interaction your video. Eligible interactions, they measure by 10 seconds. So what I'm wondering is how much of that when you do a frequency cap is like, hey, we're going to show it to one person, even if they didn't have a viewable impression. I don't know. It's a good kind of good question to ask. I don't know what that is. I have no idea, but to find that out. Here's what I like about the remarketing aspect though. In display remarketing, I find that with the loss of being able to target specific audiences or when the audiences are just not matched or not used very well, like we have one client that is predominantly women and we have a product that is a hair regrowth serum made for women and 90% of our conversions are coming from the men audience. Client got upset. So we had a conversation with him. I didn't. It was a member of our team and said, Hey, do you want to target the people that you believe you want to target and cut out 90% of the conversions or do you want to just keep it still? I think the client chose to just keep going with it because the audiences are getting a little bit more lackluster in the future. When we look at the audience targeting and expansion opportunities and audiences that are not in the segments that you've defined and all the ways that Google is just going to spend your money without you even knowing. The one reason why I do like YouTube is I can measure not only an impression, but I I also can see the view, the view rate, the click-through rate, and then the conversions that happened here, which is the ad event type. So I think I get more data from a YouTube remarketing campaign than I would with a display campaign because display can count view through and conversions. It just never does. I don't know why. It's like, hey, you got 12 sales but your view through is like 15. For some reason, Google has done a poor job at view through conversions. But if you look here, for example, the YouTube remarketing, I have three click conversions and 50 engaged view conversions. And I'm scaling this up with just standard shopping campaigns. You'll notice that my splits though are 20 grand in cost on standard shopping and $600 in cost in video remarketing. Very, very, very skewed. Heavily towards non-brand cold traffic. And then the YouTube shorts is also a cold Traffic audience. This, I'm not worried about attribution here because YouTube does a poor job at attribution. My remarketing, I should have more frequent conversions because those frequent conversions are of a very warm audience. And it's naturally going to get more conversion with a warm audience than a cold audience. And when you say, hey, I spent 600 and made 4, yes, where did they come from? This is a remarketing audience. That's going to be more important than can I scale this? Not really. I mean, you can increase your ad spending. Google can show the ads more often to people who are going to buy. Does that mean that people are going to buy more often? Maybe. Where's your point of diminishing returns? Much lower of a ceiling than the cold traffic we bring in. So we're looking at... YouTube remarketing. I know my view rate, I want to be above 22% if it's tracked properly and it's doing well. My cost per view is 12 cents. My cost per click on display, we're probably looking at about 50 cents to a dollar, just depending upon the industry. My cost per click on YouTube remarketing, $6. It's expensive. I'm getting good view rates, but people are not engaging with these ads that much from a click perspective. So my cost per click's high. That's okay. What I'm looking at is, am I getting enough views? And the people that are seeing those ads, are they buying? This is my insurance policy here. This is my insurance. This is, simply just a additional metric used as a fail safe. If I get a interested user and through standard shopping, which means they typed in a non-branded search, they've saw my product they saw how much it was. And the title that they saw in the title was relevant enough for them to say, that's a reasonable price of a product I'm looking for. And they clicked on it and they went to the website. We know that people are going to either continually search or come back to the brand or go back to the site directly and buy. When I was showing people display ads, it didn't really change much. Whether I had dynamic marketing on or not, I didn't really see a measurable result outside the normal ebb and flow of Google. And since I can't earn a view through conversion. I had no way of truly measuring it. Is this even hitting the right audience that ends up converting? I had no idea. People that were clicking at it from really odd places, apps and kids games and all the other stuff or just out of non-English speaking websites, even though I had English as my default browser. I mean, things just weren't matching up. It was so fatty that I just couldn't identify click attributed conversions no matter the attribution model that I was using or even Norbeam. My dynamic marketing from a click perspective was always a higher CPA than my new customer acquisition from shopping, even when I'm looking at first click attributed to last click. That's what's interesting is I know it does well, but if I can't take a remarketing campaign and increase its ad spend and see more first-time customers, that's my line of demarcation because that's all we're measuring. If I can't increase my ad spend and also see an increase in new customers, that's your point of diminishing returns. We're starting to over-remarket or you're going after a user who is uninterested and you're begging. That's going to be expensive because if you think about begging a person to come back when they're no longer or interested is going to cost a specific dollar amount. What is that dollar amount to beg to bring a person back? This is how much things cost. I'm just going to use round numbers. It's $6 to bring a person back to the site physically in this campaign. It's $2 to bring a new interested person that said now, yes, I'm interested in this product. I want to learn more. So it's three times more expensive to bring that person back from a click perspective. So if my conversion rate, when all things are said and done of each channel's click is going to dictate what the CPA is going to be and is also going to dictate the conversion cost and CAC cost. If I spend six, let's just say I spent $8. For me, that $8 at $2 a click is going to bring me four new interested people who are hot, ready to go. Or I can bring one person back to the site through a remarketing campaign. Yes, there is good visual representation of our products that are being shown to people who have purchased or who are being shown to people who are going to purchase here this is good this is not an indicator at how good this youtube remarketing campaign is doing this metric here is more of an indicator on how good this campaign is doing think about this these are engaged view conversions what does this mean it means that i've taken a very interested person here and confirmed that they're probably either a going to buy anyway. And when Google does show these ads to these people, I get 95 essentially clicks for two. That's a good conversion, right? That's a 3% on remarketing. Good. That's fine. But I also don't even get click conversions on 50 people. So what we're looking at here is how much is remarketing helping? There's certain indicators you can look at to know that remarketing is helping, that better indicators are coming from YouTube. Well, you have engaged view conversions that you don't have a display. That's helpful. You also have a captive audience that you know is just wasting time. That's good. When a person's on YouTube, it's either they're listening to music or they're watching videos, or maybe they're trying to make their purchase decision now by looking up Solutions 8 reviews, Solutions 8 scam, you know, Solutions 8, you know, additional video, whatever it may be. If someone's doing, let's just say a search for us or a search for Google ads agencies, best Google ads agencies, and we can continually stay in front of them, we will reinforce that purchase decision. I don't want to spend too much on that though, because you will hit a point of diminishing returns, because most of the time, it's more expensive to bring a person back than it is to get a new person. Person. and it's more expensive to bring a person back if these people are halfway interested so any questions so far I think we have a couple of chats so I just wanted to see John you talk about why you generally prefer not to use remarketing yep so it's not that necessarily I prefer not to Tim one of the things that I was actually going to say too and we'll move to it next is a lot of times you can actually use different networks to remarket Facebook for example does very good at remarketing. Again, it's a captive audience. It remarkets like YouTube does. Display, I'm trying to capture people in a household that are on the internet. Because remember, Google is going to use household remarketing. They're not using individual device remarketing anymore. I saw this this morning and I really, really, really want to find it. I'm going to find it again, but there was a metric inside of Google that I saw this morning that says, by the way, in order to measure households with cross devices, we're going to take an average of the users that we believe are the same people, but there will be varying degrees of discrepancies, but we're using, I forget exactly what they call it, but basically some algorithmic version of what they think happened. So It's actually not even real numbers inside of the remarketing campaigns, specifically so unique users are blank a lot of times because it's not known for example but I would say that captive audience remarketing which means where their attention is given is more effective than banner ads that's my opinion Facebook captive Instagram captive YouTube captive websites they're actively doing something right now so is it more effective in a visual representation for the user yes I think so I would prefer Facebook over display remarketing I absolutely would. And when you look at the splits and you look at the conversion paths, a lot of times it's cheaper to get a person first click on standard shopping and also cheaper to have Facebook remarket them. And now you have those two channels working together. I prefer other channels than Google for remarketing. So that's why I usually don't use remarketing a lot inside of Google. Thanks for listening to the Google ads podcast. For more ways to grow your business with Google ads, you can subscribe to the Solutions 8 YouTube channel. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. And if you'd like to work with the best Google Ads agency in the world, you can visit Solutions8 at sol 8com dot here. If you're running Google Ads, even if your campaigns are successful, my years of experience have taught me that there are almost always enormous improvement opportunities. Now, what if the best Google Ads agency in the world was willing to review your Google Ads campaigns for free